I was so interested when you first texted me because yeah. I had watched your show mm-hmm. and I loved it. Thank I you. really related to it. Yeah. Um, I actually left home when I was 14 and left from a super Christian conservative cult. Whoa. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's called ATIA Advanced Training Institute of America. Interesting. That show, um, The Duggars, 18 Kids and Counting. Have you heard of that no, show? No, is it on show. Netflix or something? It's on Netflix, I think. Okay. And, and they're part of it, right? Okay. So they wear the long skirts, long shirts. The women, they, um, you know, we didn't go to school. We just Whoa. were taught to like clean, cook. Oh my goodness. Um, take care of kids. Wow. Yeah. Weren't allowed to Straight talk to cult. anyone. Yeah. Total cult. I learned in college, in my psychology class, as they like had check boxes for cult, I was like, oh my God, I just checked all the boxes. Whoa. <laughs> I was definitely in a cult. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So no outside world. Like we didn't get to watch movies or um, read magazines or listen to music. Were you told that you were like the chosen people for like oh, having totally. the- Oh, okay, totally. Yeah. Okay. Totally chosen. Yeah. 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 And so when I, I ran away from home when I was 14 and I moved to Sacramento. By yourself. Well, so my- Okay. So- a little, another little rabbit hole here. My dad had been arrested for cannabis a couple times. He was okay. a hippie. He was okay. an artist. Got it. Um, he settled down and became an architect and got a job, you know, okay. was successful. But in the community. Um, no, b- before. So oh. this is before my parents got divorced when I was three. Okay. So my parents, I was actually born at home. They were hippies. Okay. That's where I started out. Like totally yeah, in hippies. Sacramento. In Florida. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. In St. Augustine, Florida. Okay. And so... But they split up and my mom went the super Christian cult. Oh, shoot. Yeah, she married a lawyer, judge, and they got like deep into like the Christian thing. Okay. And um, they basically um, told the courts that my dad was a drug dealer and a uh-huh. drug addict because he was arrested for cannabis a couple times. Yeah. Because he was a Vietnam vet and he was using it for PTSD and he was a hippie. And so I wasn't allowed to see him at wow. all growing up terrible. Yeah. It was, um, you know, one of the reasons I'm so passionate about parental rights and a a lot of the work I do. But, um, so when I was 14, I, um, had to get out. I was like, this is not for me. Yeah. And so, um, even though I'd never, you know, had any visitation rights with him, didn't have a relationship with him. I left home and came here to Sacramento to live with him. Wow. Yeah. Were you, did you secretly contact him when you were in your community? Um, or so some, my brother, my brother left first. Oh, got so it. my brother ran away two years before me. Yes. Okay. And so they let me talk to my brother. Okay. And so I talked to my brother on the phone. He's like, yeah, you have to get out. Like, yeah. So he, he helped me devise a plan to get here. Wow. And then I never went back. That's wow. Yeah. And I have Crazy. a great relationship with my brother and dad. I don't talk to the rest of my family at all to wow. this day. Are they still in the community, the rest of your family? They have now actually, uh, my stepfather was Jewish. So oh. they've gone even more um, into, now they're Judeo-Christian, um, but they're still very, you know, conservative mm-hmm. um, Christian and um we just, you know, we don't have a relationship. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but the feeling uh, there was something you said, like, um, how sometimes people were like, well, okay. So for me, people in high school, so I yeah. went from that cult, like 
no outside world to like public high school. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah. And straight up like. That's crazy. Yeah. It's culture shock, like 1800s yeah. to 21st yeah. century madness. <laughs> totally. Like, like, what is the, a Twinkie? Like, yeah. just so, uh, such utter confusion. I, I totally can understand. <laughs> and I would always be called stupid white girl. Stupid white girl. Stupid white girl because I literally. Was a stupid white girl. Was a stupid white girl. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, fit the belt completely. What is Club Penguin? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I like, I, I, yeah, I totally. Get that. And so I remember one time one of my That's friends, so Sam Joseph, he saw my manuscript at high school and he's like, oh, my God, Kimberly, you're so smart. I didn't know you were smart. We all thought you were so stupid. Wow. Because <laughs> like, I don't know anything about popular culture. Right. Yeah. 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 It I totally took get a that. few years to, you know, get with it. That's so my friends <laughs> at Stanford, they actually made a presentation for me on this is a meme. You know, this is Vines. This is Club Penguin. This is Sims World. These are the songs of this time that you should know. You should know these songs and they like played the songs for me because like Aww. same thing of like just no pop culture whatsoever. Yeah. I was stupid white girl too for a long time. So I totally get it. I would secretly, I would, I wouldn't, I would secretly write down things that I didn't know what people were talking about and then just Google it later. That's smart. See, yeah. Google wasn't around when I was oh, growing okay. up. You didn't have Google. So it was like really bad. Yeah. You can't really go to a library and learn about like yeah. current pop culture you kind of just have to know <laughs> yeah. well, I, I hear that that's tough mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Okay, so we can start. Okay. Yes, Kimberly, thank you so much for agreeing to come onto my podcast. Super last minute. Um, I just texted you from a random number and I'm like, hi, this is Miriam Hart. Would love for you to come onto my podcast. And you were like, oh, I know who you are. And you just said yes. So thank you so much. Do you actually want to share what you shared with me over text message when I first texted you? Yeah, it's so funny because once I heard the name of your podcast, I was yeah. like, I have to do it. This is, this is my whole business plan. Yeah, yeah. The day before I was driving and I called my business partner and I was um, thinking about, you know, things I could have done differently over the last five years as I've um, continued to grow these businesses. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I would have done this differently. And I was like, but I didn't really have a strategy when I started. I didn't have a plan. I didn't know we were going to experience all this success or it was going to grow this fast. Right. And she's like, yeah, our whole strategy was to just fake it till we made it. And I was like, yeah, that's awesome. That's it. Yeah. So just to (laughs) tell my faking it fam who you are a little bit, you are the CEO of your own dispensary company, a medical dispensary company too. 
Uh, and so your whole story is really incredible. You went to undergrad and you studied cellular and molecular biology, and then you started working in, uh, what was it exactly? Like, like muscle massaging therapy or what's the yeah. homeostasio? Um, what is it? Well, I started studying holistic medicine, okay, a yeah. variety of holistic medicines, mm-hmm. Reiki, yoga. I was a certified personal fitness trainer yeah. and started studying herbalism. And mm-hmm. that's how I got into cannabis. Yes. Mm-hmm. And cannabis as medicine. Right. And you know, I was going to Humboldt State University, yes. so of course I was growing cannabis. Right, it's, hum- yeah. For <laughs> those who don't know, Humboldt is where so much weed from California comes. Right yes. now we're in Sacramento, which is also like, even me, this is my first time in Sacramento, and even just driving around seeing like women that look like cannabis flowers, just like graffitied <laughs> onto the walls, and I'm just like, yep, we're in, we're in Sacramento. <laughs> yeah, they don't call it Sacktown for nothing. Oh, there we go. <laughs> That's awesome. So, um, so yeah, I, I started studying about natural medicine and at that point, it was 20 years ago, natural medicine was much more repressed than it is today. Okay, cool. It's really started to become mainstream in the last 20 years. Um, I credit that to the internet and people taking control of their body, their health yeah. and their well-being. And so natural medicine's really on the rise. But when I started studying it, I started studying about the repression of natural medicine, okay. which has occurred over the last hundred years in the U.S. Yes, yes. And part of that repression was cannabis. Cannabis mm-hmm. is just an herb. Right. But it was um, repressed and stigmatized. And um, I started studying about the health benefits. And I was like, "This is there's something to this. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's really interesting that you say that because even with other drugs too, like Molly and LSD and all these things. So right now there's kind of a rebirth of studies that are being born out of this. And what I've actually read recently was that there's all these studies done pre 1950s that were just kind of hidden and put away in the corner where nobody was able to access them because they, the U S government was trying to hide that they did research on these things when it was considered stigmatized at a certain point. And so I'm assuming weed has a very, like cannabis has a very similar story and trajectory that it Maybe there was some research done at some point and then all of a sudden it became stigmatized and wrong. And now you're discovering through your research that it's actually has all these benefits for people. Yeah. Um, it was actually one of the top three medicines in the U.S. up until the early 1940s. Wow. It was in the so U.S. pharmacopoeia. And when it became illegal in 1937, yeah. the um, American Medical Association spoke up in Congress and said, you know, please don't make this illegal. It actually has many medical benefits. Right. But it became illegal due to actually um, competing business sources. Mm. So um, hemp, cannabis, same thing. It's all the same. It's all the same plant, cannabis plant. It just has different components or cannabinoids in it, depending upon what the classification is or the legal term, hemp or marijuana. And um, it was competing against timber, cotton, the petrochemical industry, the pharmaceutical industry, and the alcohol industry. Mm. And so all those industries were like, this hemp thing over here is really, you know, if we knock it out, it helps us all. Right. And so there was um, kind of a, you know, conspiracy to mm. um, put out a lot of propaganda to stigmatize cannabis as an evil plant. Was it, what were the other plants that were like wanted to win over the American public? Like, what was it competing against? So it was competing against timber. Okay. Because hemp can be, was, it was one of the top. I mean, we made all of our paper, all of our clothing, all of our rope out of it. Okay. Um, out of hemp. 
out of hemp. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And now that's not the case? Not the case anymore. Okay. And yeah. so timber, which is another, what is that? Another timber plant? Timber is woods. It's just wood. the woods. The, okay. Yeah. Wood, the trees, the right. timber. So the mm-hmm. timber companies, whoever mm-hmm. they were, the people that ran that, they were like, we want to crack down hemp because they're making a dent into our paychecks. Totally. It seems like. Yes. So that's, that's yes. the story? Exactly. Same with cotton. Okay. Same with petrochemicals. So like all the chemical agencies, paint, right. fuel. Um, you know, Henry Ford's, one of his first cars was made out of hemp and ran on hemp. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. And so it could be a fuel source? Yeah, it could be a fuel. It is so versatile. It's interesting. Incredible. Yeah. And so because you can't get high off of wood mm-hmm. and you can't get high off of cotton, there's nothing really there to like pin on and say this is bad, but because hemp, you can get high off hemp. Mm-hmm. Was that kind of a way for these other companies to be like, oh, this is bad for you and this yes. shouldn't exist? Yes, that okay. was it. And and they also, they played on if you um, look into it more after this, you'll be super interested in it and you start to look go down the rabbit hole, right? right. And you'll find out that, you know, it was really messed up the way that they used the propaganda because they really preyed upon the reg- uh, racism that was occurring at that time here mm, in the U.S. Okay. And um, they they said all kinds of horrible things um, that I don't necessarily want to go into, but, you know, marijuana or cannabis will, you know, make people go crazy. It'll make men rape women it'll okay. you know do all these horrible they make you kill your kids like all kinds of just crazy stuff yeah. right was put into newspapers movies yeah. um and was said that that's what cannabis or marijuana would do mm-hmm. and so it it really incorporated fear and stigma and mm-hmm. racism and um, made people believe those things because they were told that over and over and over. Right, right. Totally. No, there is so much stigma there. And mm-hmm. even for me, I like am not a big, I don't like get high for fun anymore. Obviously, when I was like a teenager, I thought it was cool. But now I use it medicinally for sleep. Mm-hmm. If yeah. there's a night where I get very anxious and I just can't sleep, I have like pills, like literally mm-hmm. weed pills that I yeah. take just to help me fall asleep and be calm to be able to do that. Yeah. You know? So what is that noise? Go to the bathroom. I'm going to close the, okay. the bathroom door just in case. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but. Okay. Oh, it's a heater. We could turn the heater off. We don't need the heater on. How do I turn it? I got it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I can call her. There has to be a thermostat. These microphones are still. Okay. Okay. I'll just bring it up just in case. Okay. It really captures what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. What were you saying? I forgot. Okay. So we're talking about, um, we're talking about this. St- oh, can- you were saying how you use cannabis oh, medicinally. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but there is still, so yeah, I use it medicinally for sleeping to help with anxiety or things like that but yeah there is still so much stigma what has been some of the ways to fight the stigma because i know 
after you found some of the health benefits, you, you started doing some things, but more yeah. generally and then personally, would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. So I have been on a mission my entire life. I've dedicated my life to cannabis and yes. to, you know, freeing the plant, reducing stigma. Yeah. The main reason I've done that is because it is a medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not going to dedicate my entire life to helping people get high. Right. right. Like, you know, I did really well in college. I could have done anything. I'm not going to do that. So, um, but I absolutely decided that I am going to dedicate my life to helping people um, heal naturally. Interesting. And cannabis is a non-toxic medicine. It can be used for a variety of symptoms to yeah. treat a variety of symptoms, which cover a variety of illnesses and disorders. Mm-hmm. And um, it was actually... I was tasked with interviewing patients like we're doing here. Right. Um, I worked at a dispensary right out of college when I first became an activist. And this is back in the day when they were completely underground. There was no licensing, no regulations. Yeah. Every day we went to work, we had to say, okay, I'm going to work today and there's a possibility that I'm going to be thrown on the ground with a gun to my head and I'm going to go to prison. Wow. That could happen to me today and it's happening down the street. It's happened to many people I know. Wow. But we woke up every day and we went to work anyways because for me, it was because when I was tasked with these interviews of patients to ask them, you know, why are you using cannabis? Is it really helping you? Do you Mm -hmm. really need dispensaries? Right. Um, those were really my three main questions. And the reason why my boss asked me to do this is because if she ever got raided, she wanted to be able to tell the feds the truth. Wow. This is why we're doing it. That's crazy. And your boss is a woman too. She was a woman. Whoa, that's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. And so, so I spent, you know, hours and hours interviewing patients, asking them, you know, is cannabis helping you? How is it helping you? Why are you using it? And at the end of the week, I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, this is serious. Mm. Like they are using cannabis and it is really, really helping them. And they have, many of them have tried many other pharmaceuticals that did not help them. Right. This is sometimes their last choice. Right. And they need safe places to access this natural herb. Like this is super serious. Yes. And at that point I had nothing to lose. I didn't have kids. I didn't really have connection with my family. So I didn't have anyone telling me what I should do with my life. Right. I didn't have a, you know, fancy job that I didn't want to lose. Um, I didn't really have anything to lose. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I, um, naturally I'm a very brave person. Yeah. So I'm like, I am going to stand up and speak up for the people who are too sick or too scared to stand up for themselves. Mm, And I started doing that and have been very, you know, I feel like I was born at the right place in time where right. a lot of people have done that before me, right? but they didn't get to see the laws change. They didn't get to see the stigma change. Right. I have been able to see that in my short, you know, 20 years of being an advocate. No, I, I think what you said is really interesting that you're not here to get people high, you're here to heal people. And that idea of using cannabis as purely a means of helping and not a means of let's have fun. You know, that's not talked about at all, like you're saying. And also what you said about like for like just helping in terms of all these different conditions, the sleep thing for me that I use it medicinally, I have friends who take antidepressants, multiple friends who take antidepressants to sleep because they can't and their doctor prescribed a certain antidepressant to help them sleep, which affects them, which they said to me affects them in their day. But if they can't sleep, then they take them. And I think it's so crazy that 
so many people are taking these really impactful drugs that affect people not in, in so many aspects, so many side effects, you know, when there's actually a natural remedy to a lot of these problems that we have uh, and that it's not mainstream and talked about. And I think it's really commendable that in your younger days, you spent time at risk of being arrested to kind of understand this uh, plant more and understand its benefits more. So it's really, really cool. And so how did you get, because, and it's also cool that your boss was a woman. Yeah. Uh, because this industry from the research I've done, I think it's not even 0.1% of people in the weed industry that are female, that are women. And so what is your experience like as a woman starting your own cannabis company? Uh, can you talk a little bit about that too? Yeah, it's been a long long road. So, yeah. so, you know, it, there, I, you know, we all have our stories about how, you know, what I, I was a buyer at one point. And so for many years where I would meet with the growers and, um, look at their product and decide if I wanted to buy it and then sell it at the dispensary. Okay. And one of the guys was like, Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. I want to talk to that guy who is walking by another guy's walking by that works with me. He has dreads. He has a beard. Yeah. And I'm like that guy. I was like, that guy didn't have dreads or a beard till he met me. He didn't grow cannabis till he met me. Wow. I taught him how to grow. You need to talk to me. Yes. Like, you know? Yeah, so, the stereotypes of what a cannabis grow even looks like. Yeah. You're breaking totally. that. Yeah. So um, so it's been a long road. Um, it, I didn't really experience too much difficulty. I feel I actually was able to kind of – work with government easier because yeah. for many different reasons, all based on stereotypes also, mm -hmm. um, government officials tend to view me as maybe relatable or, or just, um, like the kind of good girl look. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I've been able to break a lot of barriers because of that. I wow. feel like I'm less intimidating maybe because I'm a woman. Yeah, that's interesting. But on huh. the other hand, when it comes to raising capital, it has been extremely hard to raise capital. Mm. You may know oh, only 7% yeah, of, of capital goes to women in this country. It's 1% now. 1% now. It's yeah, it's 1%. going down. It's, it's really bad. It's yeah. really hard. And so... I actually brought you this present here. Thank you. And this is one of my company's Kamiya. This is cool. a women-focused brand. Wow. When we started Kamiya, there was only a few brands on the market that were focused Ooh. on women or providing products for working women, mothers, who, you know, once again, don't want to get high, but mm -hmm. they want to feel better. Wow. I love that. And um, we've been trying to raise money for Thank Kamiya, you. and it has been so difficult. And I think mm. based on the fact that... Um, so this is your brand? Yeah. Wow, so cool. Yeah. Kamiya. Okay. Very so, cool. I love it. Yeah, we have these rose petal pre-rolls we can smoke later. Yeah, rose petal pre-rolls. All <laughs> yeah. right. Well, I'm driving, so I don't know if I can, but... No, no, that's illegal. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I see there's so many yeah. too. Yeah, and there's, uh, you know, Chaka Tri, Cosmic Cocoa, cool. things that'll help you sleep too. Awesome. Very yeah. cool. Very, very cool. But that's been the biggest hurdle, I think, in the industry is when mm -hmm. it came to business is just raising capital. Right. I right. mean... Everything else has been, I feel like I haven't really necessarily come up against too much hardship being a woman. That's a awesome. Woman, yeah. Um, except for that. And that's just been a brick wall. Mm -hmm. you know? Totally. Yeah. Totally. That's very interesting. And then also yeah. you teach a class um, on cannabis at the school around here. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about like 
the research done in cannabis right now and like your work in that space too in yeah. terms of education? So um, if you go to the National Institute of Health's website, which is the big um, conglomerate in the U.S. government that conducts research around the world, yeah. you'll see that there is a ton of research on cannabis. There's kind of this mm. idea that there's not enough research, yeah, yeah, right? We yes. hear that a lot. Well, mm -hmm. there's actually quite a bit. Over $100 million go to researching cannabis around the world. Very cool. Is that it's government funding? or It's government funding. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So we as taxpayers pay for that cannabis cool. research. Okay, got it. And um, there's tons of research going on around the world. I teach um, every semester. It's coming up, I think, two weeks now uh, for the alcohol and other drugs class, the section on cannabis at Sacramento State University. Cool. And I've been doing that about eight years now. Wow. And the teacher's also a woman. Very so, cool. I love that. <laughs> yeah, PhD. And uh, she found me and we've been, um, she's been inviting me back every semester to work with her. Very cool. That's awesome. But, um, but you know, the research is continuing to grow in this area. Mm -hmm. And the cannabis plant is so multifaceted because yeah. there's over a hundred different cannabinoids. Okay. Which are the molecules that cause pharmacological effects on the body. Okay. Got Each it. Each of these molecules are different. Okay. And they work on our body in a different way. Got it. And so we have an endocannabinoid system where we have receptor sites, which yeah. are kind of like locks. Mm -hmm. And then the molecules fit into them like keys. Okay. And... Cause the pharmacological effects, which is makes you sleepy, makes you hungry, yeah. um, reduces anxiety, reduces pain, reduces mm -hmm. inflammation, all the different things that come from the different cannabinoids, uh, the different molecules. Got it. And since there's so many of them, um, there's so much research that can be done. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. there's currently only about five of these cannabinoids on the market and products. Why is that? Um, and it just has to do with breeding. Okay. So over the years, in the beginning, we bred um, for high THC. Yeah. That was the main thing. Right. Bred for high THC. And then CBD became known mm -hmm. and um, became all the rage. Right. So we started breeding for CBD. Okay. And then um, through the use of laboratory testing is when right. we started discovering that we can pull out the cannabinoids and different manufacturing processes. Okay. We... Um, Brought about THCA onto the market, mm -hmm. um, CBG, CBN. Right. Um, and these molecules are currently on the market, but there's so much more, you know? Mm -hmm. And so all of this research, is that being done right now or is it not it, really being researched much? Well, no, there, there is a ton of research going on all around the world. Cool. And with the um, passage of Proposition 64, which is the Adult Use of Marijuana Act in California. Yeah. A ton of money has been put into the state university system to conduct research also. Cool. And so those grants are currently going out right now. So yeah. I expect to see a lot more research here in California coming up in the next few years. Very cool. And so what yeah. are, would you say are some common misconceptions when it comes to cannabis? Yeah. So, you know, I think the first common misconception is that it makes people stupid and lazy. Okay, yeah. Right? That you you kind of... The stoner. Yeah, the stoner stereotype. Right. Totally. Like, that is number one. Yeah. Like, um, and, you know, I have been, you know, selling cannabis for 20 years now. And yeah. over the last 15 years, probably t um, have about 50,000 to 100,000 members. Okay. So I've been That's able to see these people, right? Right. And so this is my own research. I'm connecting. Yeah. I love research. I was science scientist at heart. So yeah. 
It's my first love of science. So in this time, I have not seen people who are stupid and lazy. I have mm. seen doctors, lawyers, engineers, right. mothers, fathers, grandparents, and um, very smart people, government officials yeah. um, who are using cannabis to help them for whatever reason it is, right? Mm-hmm. Even if it is just to replace their glass of wine on Friday night. Right. You know? Totally. Totally. What else? What other? Okay. And also in terms of the stoner stereotype, yeah. isn't that true too? Like, is should there be some regulation, do you think, to prevent like 16 year olds from becoming stoners? Like, what are yeah. your thoughts on how to balance the medicinal benefits of weed with the negative impacts it can have on like kids for the most part? Totally. That's an excellent question. So um, one thing I want to make sure is like, I never come off to say that there are no negative side effects, of course, right? Because yeah. there are, Even alcohol, you know? You know yeah. Like, Totally. So there are temporary negative side effects associated with cannabis, um, such as um, decreased motor skills and mm-hmm. sleepiness and red eyes. Right. And sometimes it can cause anxiety. And um, so that's one thing that's yeah. temporary. But long term, um, cannabis is not physically addictive, but it can be psychologically addictive. Okay. And so 10% of our population has an addictive personality. Okay. So it is important for those people who can easily become addicted to shopping, working out, right. religion, gambling, right. um, whatever the physical video games, whatever the physical addiction is, to be really aware mm-hmm. of their personality type mm-hmm. um, because cannabis does tend to make people happy. Mm. So if someone has that personality where they seek that happiness over and over and over at the detriment to other parts of their life, right. they need to be really aware of that. Yeah. And as far as children are concerned, um, you know, I have children, so I, I don't have teenagers yet, so right. I'm not fully there, but... You know, it's definitely something that we as an industry are constantly working to ensure that children don't have access to it, just like alcohol, right? Yeah. You know, because it can cause impairment mm-hmm. and we want our, and it also, um, the studies are currently being done about brain development, right? right? We want our children to be the best that they can be. Yeah. We want them to be safe in every situation. Right. So we don't want them using alcohol or cannabis or other drugs. Yeah. Um, and, and really, you know, up until, you know, the early twenties until the brain is fully developed. Mm -hmm. So is because of that, does that mean like medicinal weed for medicinal purposes for somebody who's still developing their brain isn't the best yet? Or what are your thoughts there? Not necessarily. So when it comes to medicine, you have to weigh uh, the effects of other medicines. Right. And so, um, our society somehow has, we go straight for the hard stuff, right? We go straight for the most strongest medicine there is. And if that doesn't work, then we go to the natural medicine. Right. We try all these, you know, Western medicines. And then if that doesn't work, we go to the natural medicine. So what's happening is, is I am seeing children on our program. I actually run a specific program where I work with parents and educate them on the law and the science of cannabis. Mm -hmm. And, um, work with them through the process for Mm -hmm. as long as it takes. And um, cannabis can be much less harmful on the body um, and the mind than many other pharmaceuticals that these children are prescribed. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So at that point, the parent really has to look at, um, you know, what's best for the like child. ADHD medication, yeah. just kind of maybe having a little bit of microdosing weed might yep. actually do the trick. And it exactly. is it's very interesting. Yeah, because yeah, ADHD medications, most of them are um, amphetamines. Mm-hmm. And 
I know many children who have. Want to explain used, what amphetamines are for those who don't know? Yeah, too? Act, actually, yes, they're stimulants, right. and so ironically, you give a stimulant to someone who's overactive to help them calm down. Right. And so, um, yes, um, children with ADHD, uh, children with cancer, children mm-hmm. with epilepsy, children with serious injuries like spinal cord injuries. Yeah. Um, there, there are, um, you know, many reasons why a child, um, why their parent is able to give them medicine for a specific condition. That's cannabis, a very interesting point. Helps. Yeah, that's really, really cool. All right, so I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I have two more questions. Yeah. Do you want to tell me a little bit about why you think maybe there aren't so many women in this industry? Yeah, so actually our industry, the cannabis industry, yeah. used to be an industry that was looked at as a leader for women. We used to have 30% of our industry was run by women. Okay. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. It was a big deal. We were so proud of it. Mm -hmm. And so what happened in 2016, the Adult Use of Marijuana Act passed. In 2018, regulations came into place. Yeah. And at that point, it was really, really expensive to transition into the regulated market. Got it. Meaning millions of dollars. Yeah. I've had to personally raise millions of dollars to be where I am. Yeah. And so- Many of the women, because raising capital is extremely difficult for women, were not able to do that. And they were not able to transition into the regulated market. And we've seen a huge decrease in women. It is. That's the problem. It's an investment problem. That's it. Wow. Yeah. That is the biggest problem for women in our industry is investment. Nobody wants to invest in them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. However... Um, if you look at companies that are run by women, they're much more successful. If you look right. at the statistics. Yes. If you yeah. literally look at the data, data yeah. I have a friend who's an investor. He said that his return on female investments, like when it's a female run company is double. Yeah. And it's, it, it's the numbers. He shows yeah. me the numbers, which is crazy. Yeah. Well, not crazy. Yeah. It's not crazy. So <laughs> I'm, I'm also an employer, right? I have hundreds of employees and personally responsible for about 40 of them. Yeah. And I have what's called an owner incubator program. Uh-huh. And so through this program, 25 of my employees over the last you know 10 years have become owners of their own companies. Cool. That's awesome. And many of them, the majority of them are women mm-hmm. and um, have gone through the program to become CEOs of their own company. Wow. So at this time we have 12 companies. Yeah. And um, they're all mostly majority women owned companies. Yeah. And um, we have, you know, seven retail storefronts with delivery couple farms and Kamiya manufacturing distribution right. and shared manufacturing, which we just brought in four social equity women-owned small manufacturers cool. under our umbrella. Very too. cool. Yeah. So it's, we're trying to get more women, you know, into that place of power because That's awesome. they really do a well, jo- a very good job and yeah. they give back to their communities, to their employees. Right make the world a better place. It's about the matriarchy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking, but, but it should be because this is incredible. Uh, and so the last question I ask every person that I talk to is how have you faked it? Oh. <laughs> well, that happens every day. I wake yeah. up and I'm like, okay, let's do this again. Yeah. But, um, but really, you know, I didn't have a business degree. Mm-hmm. And so um, everything I've learned, I've learned from Google yeah. or from, you know, meeting the right people and becoming friends with the right people, you know, picking their brains. Um, But really, you know, that, that was my strategy. So the day before you texted me, I told this story how my business partner and I were on the phone and we were talking like laughing about how 
you know, we should have done this different or we should have done this different looking back right. and how we really didn't have any strategy. It was just like fake it till you make it. Yes. And um, really, I don't know. It's worked for us mm-hmm. because if we would have spent all this time in business school and, you know, just got into the industry right now, where would we be compared right. to just waking up and be like, we're going to be successful. Yeah. We're going to put on the fancy clothes right. and we're going to go to the meetings. We're right. going to talk to all the right people. Yeah. And no one knows the difference anyways. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's kind of you put on that front for yourself and then you made mm-hmm. the reality that you wanted to live in. Yeah, and that's exactly. Re- yeah, that's yeah. really, really cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for the weed and the rose <laughs> buds and everything that's in here and i'm really really happy that we got to chat me too thank you so much for having me it's an honor and where can people follow you or buy your weed or just everything <laughs> where, what instagram twitter website whatever's best yeah so buy weed from women okay. and um you can find me at camia camia manufacturing camia mm-hmm. um and camia is actually an ancient um arabic word, a Greek word, ancient Greek word for chemistry and alchemy. Cool. It also has Latin and ties to my chemistry, which is, you know, cannabis is all about an individual experience. Very cool. So, um, and then also just uh, Kimberly Cargyle on Facebook. Awesome. So. And then what resources, if anybody wants to learn more about like how the medicinal side of things or just the true history of weed, do you yes. have any resources that people can look Absolutely. into? Absolutely. So my website, a therapeuticalternative.com yeah. has tons of links okay, to cool. education, advocacy, um, everything. You can go straight to that website and get links to everything else. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kimberly. Thank you. Thank you.